I'm now going to lead our reading, which comes from Luke chapter 18 and verses 9 to 14. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Challenging words. I'm now going to invite Tom up. I'd like to pray for Tom before he speaks to us. Tom, thank you so much. Fantastic to hear from you this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you've been with us this morning. Thank you that you are here now. Thank you also for the words that you've given Tom to speak. I pray that you will use his words powerfully. Give him clarity, Lord. If there's any element of what he's prepared that you don't want delivered, I pray that you will wipe it from his mind. And Father, I pray that you will use Tom's words to change us, to change me, to challenge me, and for your glory. Father, bless Tom, we pray. Pray that you'll bless him as a husband, as a friend, as a co-worker. Pray that you will be with him, Lord. Speak through him now, Father, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Tom. All right. Hello. I do the usual. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. That's not normally a worry when I speak, must be said. Uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come back and share. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm a member of Pembury Baptist Church um, here, and I've been, I mean, you've probably heard me many a time uh, on the drum kit, so... Uh, just enjoying this opportunity to come and, and speak God's word. The parable of the two men who prayed. Uh, sometimes it's called the parable of the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector. Lots of different names for it. It's a real simple parable. Some of Jesus' parables, I, I find, I have to do a lot of reading behind the scenes to actually understand what's going on. 
But with this one, it seems pretty clear cut to me. So when Dan said, can you preach on this? I went, yeah, <laughs> great. It's pretty much written for me. I, we, could just, we could just read that again and that would be the sermon, right? But you know me, I like to do a bit of digging anyway and have a look at what was really going on when Jesus told this story. These are words that Jesus actually spoke to people. And actually, this sermon really is uh, its a follow-on directly from what was shared by Colin last week. Uh, Dan asked me for a title for this sermon, and I, I came up with a rather super flashy title of I'd Rather Be a Tax Collector. Um, but if I'd known Colin's uh, title at the time, I may have followed on his alliteration and gone with Practicing Private Prayer. Practicing prideless prayer, maybe? It's a direct follow-on, and it's, it's the way that it's written is entirely intentional. This story very likely, we don't know for certain, but very likely was told immediately after Jesus had addressed his disciples. So everything that Colin spoke about last week, Jesus is talking to his disciples, to his followers. Whether that was the 12 disciples specifically, or a group of people that had dedicated themselves to following Jesus, as was the case in Jewish culture with teachers, don't really know. But Jesus was talking to his disciples. Here, the focus changes, and Jesus now addresses who we believe to be the Pharisees. Um, I'm not going to go into the language, because A, I can't speak it, uh, and so I'll get the pronunciation horribly wrong, but actually... The words that are translated as Pharisee in a lot of our versions today actually are just some kind of reference to a religious leader. The reason that we can be confident that Jesus is talking to and about Pharisees is because of the practices that this Pharisee proudly stands there and announces. Pharisees often followed these practices that he's talking about. So Jesus changes his focus from hey, you guys, my followers, I've got some advice for you too. You guys over there, let me tell you a story and see if you get it. And he does want to combat this idea of pride. This is not going to be a sermon where I stand there and tell you that you cannot be proud. You must not be proud. You can never be proud. And you must humble yourselves with False humility, not recognizing anything that you do and not recognizing your successes. That's not the point of this, and that's not what Jesus is telling us here. What Jesus is saying that we need to recognize where we come from, and we need to understand where we stand between ourselves and God. There is a theme throughout a lot of the Old Testament about sacrifice, about following God's ways, about doing everything that God tells you to, but not having the right heart. The book of Amos, I studied the book of Amos, we went through it um, in Bible college for a number of weeks as a, as a kind of focus on one book of the Old Testament. Because um, it's actually a really, if you just pick it up and read it without understanding what's going on, it's a really difficult book to engage with. But when you read it and you start to get an idea of what's going on, the book of Amos is very much there to challenge 
if you like, false worship. In the book of Amos, uh, everyone's doing everything right. The priests are making the sacrifices they're supposed to make. The people are worshipping God. But something's not right. And in the background, whilst the people are sacrificing the animals they need to make, while the priests are coming before God and performing the correct rituals, while people are washing themselves in a ritualistic way when they go to the, to the temple or go to the, uh, the tabernacle, they're doing everything right. They're also taking slaves and mistreating them. They are ruining the land and not following God's plan for healthy farming. They're eating foods that they shouldn't be eating. They're committing adultery. But they're doing their sacrifices. And God says, oh no. No, this leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. I don't like this. No way. Great, you're doing the things I told you to do, but you're not doing the things that, you're doing the things I also told you not to do. And I, I, reject, your, I reject your sacrifices. So even though they're doing all the things that God says, yeah, you, you need to do this to get right with me, God rejects those sacrifices because the heart, what's going on in their heart, is rotten to God. And I'm sure that the listeners, when they're listening to Jesus, especially these Pharisees who would have poured over the scriptures, they would have read Amos, they would have understood the context of Amos, I'm sure it would have called that to mind. It would probably have also called to mind Micah 6.8, which I'm actually going to read directly from the Bible here. It's actually a very well-known passage. In fact, I'm going to read from, uh, I'm going to read from verse 6, so Micah 6.6. 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? Act justly. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. really challenging because it's not in human nature to belittle ourselves and often if we are belittling ourselves we're going too far and we end up with mental health struggles people thinking they're less than they are we seem to go one side of the pendulum or the other there is a middle ground so hold on to that thought. Got a little bit more to talk about from this passage, and we'll round it all together. So a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, I am sure that if I asked anybody in this room, do you like paying taxes, the answer would probably be no. It might be a, it's necessary. I wonder how many people would jump for joy going, yeah, I love it. 
Send the HMRC round. I'll, I'll shake their hand. It's fantastic. I love it. When I get my paycheck and I take a look at what they've knocked off for it, it's great. It's fantastic. It's a necessity. But back in this time, the tax collector, as unpopular as they might be today, was even worse. In fact, there's a reason that Jesus uses, or the Bible uses the phrase tax collector a fair amount, because they were the worst of the worst in terms of the culture. You see, in the New Testament, when the New Testament picks up, here's a little, here's a little bit of biblical history for you. When the New Testament picks up, there has been a 400-year-long gap between the last time God directly spoke to his people the last book of the Old Testament, 400 years pass before we get to the New Testament. Now that whole time in those 400 years, the Israelites were mostly living under some form of oppression. Because God said it would happen, because they continuously stopped following him. They continuously disobeyed. Apart from a small moment where there was actually a revolution, the Maccabean Revolution, and this brought hope to the people that they might finally live free. The Maccabean Revolution. And there actually, there were some Jewish people that thought that the Maccabees might have actually been the Messiah that they were waiting for. That was wrong. Because the Romans came along and completely conquered the area. Completely and utterly. And so hope of being free, hope of, uh, of having their own nation and place to be was, was lost to them. They were devastated. Now, the Romans had an interesting way of, uh, of ruling, and part of the success of their conquest was that they didn't come in and force people to change their way of life entirely. The Romans didn't come in and say, we've conquered you, now you worship our gods. They came to places and they went, okay, you've got a religion, you can, you can follow it, it's fine, wherever they were. We're going to bring ours in as well, but you can follow yours, and that's fine. We're not going to punish you for that. And that's part of their success. So the Jewish people were allowed to continue with their faith. But they had to pay taxes. And what the Romans would do is powerful Roman nobles would be uh, the, the head tax collectors, but they would hire the people of the area to actually collect the taxes. So they would hire Jews. And to the Jewish people, this was awful. If you, if you were willing to be subjugated and take taxes from people, then you were giving up on your heritage. You were giving up on who you were. You were rejecting the Jewish way of life. And so they were the worst of the worst. It's shocking, culturally, that Jesus chose Matthew, a tax collector, to be one of his 12 disciples. It's utterly shocking. To us, we just read it and go, oh, okay, he had a job. Now he's with Jesus. To someone at the time, this was mind-blowing. Absolutely insane. So we've got the lowest of the low coming to pray at the temple alongside a highly respected religious leader, a Pharisee. And a Pharisee who does all the things that God wants them to. And not only does the things that God wants them to, goes that little bit further. Um, fasting was not uncommon, fasting two times a day, normally Monday and Thursday. Again, there's a little random tidbit of information for you. 
normally a Monday and a Thursday. Um, often Pharisees would uh, fast. It wasn't necessarily required, but it, it was a common thing. And so here, this Pharisee and this tax collector come to the temple to pray. Again, very common, common place to come and worship and pray before God. And then we see that stark difference in their approach. If you have a look when the Pharisee prays, the Pharisee makes one mention of God. One mention. And mentions themselves. Again, depends on the translation, but it's three or four times. I do this. I do this. I am this. And actually, that one mention of God, he's thanking God for himself as well. I thank you, God. Great. Stop there. You've done it. Go no further. But I'm not like other people. You were so close. And you dropped it. Drop the ball there. I'm not like other people. Or I'm not like that dirty tax collector. And to be honest, as Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees, the Pharisees are probably there going, yeah, 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 quite right. Yeah, dirty tax collector. Yeah, we're, we thank you that we're not like him. And then Jesus turns it on its head, as he always does. Tax collector gets down on his knees, beats his breast. Have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, God. I'm a sinner. That's it. That's his prayer. Not, God, I'm a bad person. But uh, next week, if you could just help me because I'm building my house. God, I'm a bad person. Look after my wife. Nothing wrong, by the way, with doing that. But in this moment, I'm in a contrast to this Pharisee who's worshipping themselves. This tax collector simply recognises that he is sinful. That he needs God's mercy if he's going to proceed in his life. And that, that's, that's it. to me, that's it. That's the thrust of this story. And sorry if this upsets you, but the simple truth is every single person in this room needs God's mercy. Me included. Every single person in this room has sinned. Every single person in this room falls short of the glory of God. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if every single person in this room, myself included, has sinned since Friday. Not guaranteed. What does it say in Romans? Chapter 3. As it is written, chapter 3, verse 10. As it's written, and this is quoting from the Psalms. There is no one righteous, not even one. No one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. 
So sorry if you're here today thinking I'm perfect. You're not. I'm not. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all tax collectors in need of God's grace and God's mercy. Every one of us. That's quite a low point. I could finish there. I could just leave it there, but I'm not going to. Because as Christians, we have hope. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means we need God's mercy. We need to be on our knees saying, God, we need you. And God responds to that call. God has responded to that call. He gave Jesus, the one and only human being, to have ever lived without sin. His own son, God himself, to die, to give his life. And in doing so, took on the sin of the world. He became sin. When I picture it, I picture Jesus on the cross. I picture him perfect. And then I see this black cloud of dirt wash over him until you can't even see him anymore. He became sin who knew no sin. Every time I sin, that sin goes on the cross. Every time I sin, I put that sin on Jesus. But he rose again. Hallelujah. He rose again. He won the victory over sin and death. That we can now come to him and we can say, God, I am sorry. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And God goes, yeah. And you're forgiven. Wash clean. Job done. You're righteous. Welcome home. Another parable. The parable of the prodigal son. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. We're washed clean. But to get there, we have to recognize that we need God and we need his mercy. To get there, we have to recognize that we're not perfect. There is nothing wrong with what the Pharisee was doing. Praying regularly, fasting, worshiping, living life for God. All of those things are great and right, and there is no way I'm telling you to not do them. But the Pharisee's attitude is the problem here. The focus was on him. I am great. Thanks God that I am great, and I'm not like that person down there. Our approach in this regard needs to be, God, have mercy on me. I bring my prayers before you. There's nothing wrong in coming to God and saying, I need your help, God. When we come to God and we pray and we ask for his help and his guidance. But we need to have this sometimes very difficult attitude of, God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person. You are God, and I respect that, and I praise that. And I don't understand what's going on right now, but I trust you. Have mercy on me. 
And in doing that, we walk away justified. Some versions of this text, they don't use the word um, justified. They, uh, they actually use the word satisfied. Not satisfied before God, but they actually say that the tax collector went home and he was happy. He was happy. There are versions of the text that talk about the tax collector being a happy person, satisfied in God, because he came to that point and he said, yeah, God, I need you. It's not about me. I need you. You're the one worth worshipping. You're the one worth praising. And he went home satisfied and happy. God have mercy on me, Tom, a sinner. God have mercy on me, a sinner. There's a very simple prayer. I can't remember the name of it now. It's really bothering me. It's just left my mind. There's a very simple prayer that um, some people are taught to pray almost on repeat throughout their life. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God doesn't want us to wallow in this idea that we're sinners. He doesn't want us to sit in a place where we become so overwhelmed with guilt and grief at the fact that we are sinners. He doesn't want that because what was the point of Jesus dying to save us from it if we're going to wallow in it? Not at all. He wants to bring us out of that place. He wants to take us to a place of freedom, a place where we can live and worship him, a place where we can be happy and joyous in God. He wants to do that. But we have to recognize where we start from first before that process starts. God doesn't want empty words and gestures. He wants our hearts. And that's challenging. And that's difficult. And again, I just want to reiterate, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be celebrating in the things that we do and are good at, the things that we achieve. God wants us to do that. But those things mustn't be elevated above God. We need to recognize that those things have come from God. That he, in his grace and mercy, has given us that. And again, it's, it's not easy. I'm sure many of us are weighed down by sin, wrongdoings, a conversation that didn't go the way that you thought it would, an unkind word spoken in a moment of anger. Perhaps it's a thought, perhaps it's a deed. Bring it before God. Say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Bring it before God. He died so that that sin could be forgiven. He died so that you could live free of that shame. Bring it before God. So, I'm going to, I'm kind of going to leave it there. I'm going to, I'm going to finish here. I'm going to pray. The band will come up and play a song. And, and I just want to encourage you that if you want to sing along, join in with the song, absolutely sing along and join in. If these words are resonating with you, if there's something you want to bring to God, absolutely do that. 
We have a prayer ministry team. If you want to go and talk with them, do so. If you don't, that's fine. This stuff is personal. But rest assured that when we bring these things before God, he forgives us. And just like this tax collector who beat his breast, he'll go home justified. You will go home justified before God. You will go home justified. All those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Fine. All those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is not doom and gloom. It's heavy, but it's not doom and gloom. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the stories that you told when you were here on this earth. I thank you for the fact that your word is alive and active and is just as relevant to us today as any other. And God, I pray for myself, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I pray collectively for us, have mercy on us, sinners, God. Thank you, God, that you made a way that we can be justified. Thank you, God, that you made a way that 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 sin could be taken away and that you have had mercy on us. We praise you for that and we thank you for that. And I pray that at the end of today's service we'll go away exalted as we humble ourselves before you. That we'll go away lifted up satisfied and happy, knowing that you have forgiven us, God. So I pray for everyone now that you would speak to us as you've been speaking to us, minister to us. Thank you, Lord, for the stories you've told. In your mighty name. Amen.